0: If you've lived in Marshall County, Tennessee, whether for all your life or just a year, you've most likely heard of the annual GOATS Music and More Festival that takes place for two days at Rock Creek Park in the fall. The festival intends to honor Marshall County's famous breeds of GOATS through shows, alongside providing lively music and countless vendor booths. The event has grown tremendously in popularity since its first appearance in 2002, bringing up to 15,000 attendees a year as of 2016. But what are the origins of this growing event? And better yet, what are the origins of the goat it's celebrated for? It may be a surprise to hear, but Marshall County is officially hashtag goated. At least according to the Wall Street Journal, which recognized Marshall County as the birthplace of feigning goats. This is their story. The
1: MCHS History Club presents the Book of Marshall. Marshall County, Tennessee is home to a rich, diverse history. Thank you for joining us as we investigate the past and preserve our stories for the future. The echoes of our past reverberate all the way through today. All that we have to do is listen. Welcome to the Book of Marshall.
2: While the Goats Music and More Festival celebrates the boar goat alongside the myotonic goat, The latter is more well known. Myotonic goats, also known as Tennessee's fainting goats, are known for their myotonia congenita, a condition that causes the muscle cells of a goat to undergo contractions after they're startled. In simpler words, this condition causes the goat to faint, which has brought them internet fame as people all over the world admire these clumsy creatures. No one really knows their origin, but a popular theory is that a man named John Tinsley brought these goats to Tennessee from Nova Scotia and left them on the farm of the local country doctor, Dr. Mayberry, who bred these goats. It seems the fainting goats have a rich, if not ambiguous, history in Marshall County. However, history seems to recognize Marshall County as a location where fainting goats were introduced to America. As mentioned previously, the myotonic goats in Marshall County have quite a strange origin. The history, as we know it, begins with a strange man from Nova Scotia named John Tinsley. John Tinsley arrived in Marshall County shortly after 1880, bringing with him a sacred cow, his words, not ours, and three rather unusual goats. Anything else about Tinsley is pretty much unknown. What is undoubtedly known is that in the 1880s, Dr. H. H. Mayberry purchased the goats from John Tinsley for $36, which is roughly $1,086.31 in today's money, and bred them, laying down the first myotonic goat roots in Tennessee. But the ambiguity surrounding this story comes from the fact that nobody really knows where the goats came from or the whereabouts of the man that brought them here to begin with. The best that could be surmised at the time was that they were perhaps from somewhere in Asia, but this could well have just been wild speculation. Dr. Mayberry himself stated, referring to John Tensley, that no one knew from whence this stranger came. However, it was thought that he came from Nova Scotia. He came as a stranger and left as a stranger. Mayberry further stated that even when Tensley worked at Mayberry's farm for him for about three weeks, he refused to eat dinner with Mayberry's family, opting to eat in the barn with his cow. Tensley's appearance in this tale only gets stranger as one day, after moving to Murray County and marrying a lady there, Tensley would just up and leave his own farm and family without a trace taking only his sacred cow with him. Sadly, this seems to be where any concrete information regarding this mysterious goat trading Nova Scotian ends. Despite a peculiar introduction, fainting goats have more than earned their place as a lovable creature on the stage of the internet. You can find compilations of fainting goats on YouTube, which have racked up millions of views throughout the years and stolen the hearts of many. It will dismay the admirers of these captivating creatures to find out the historical use of the fainting goats. Shepherds would keep fainting goats with their flocks of sheep in case of a predator attack. It was believed that as the wolf came to attack the sheep, the sight of the wolf would scare the goat into fainting, which distracted the wolf from attacking the sheep as it went to the goat instead. It's clear that fainting goats haven't always been as celebrated as they are now. Throughout the years, fainting goats have maintained a presence in Marshall County as myotonic goats have served their purpose throughout the decades. There have been several notable farms and farmers throughout Marshall County's history. A man named Walter M. Fowler, of Lewisburg would tell his clients in his traveling sales routes of the fainting goats in the 1920s and 30s, seeming to get a kick out of their skepticism, and also their reaction when he would claim they were good-eaten back in the Depression. Ralph Weitzel, a former county historian for Marshall County, was known to have kept goats for a time. More recently, Mr. Leon Oliver and his goats were featured in a book called Tennessee, a homecoming back in the 1980s. However, the number of myotonic goats in Marshall County has been in decline in recent years.
0: Despite a rocky start, goats have grown in popularity through the years and have created an honor for themselves as a staple animal in Marshall County's agriculture and pop culture. This is largely due to the Goats, Music, and More Festival that takes place each October at Rock Creek Park. Known as Goat Fest by many, the festival aims to honor the fainting goat and consists of several fun activities, including arts and crafts booths, food vendors, petting zoos, and live music across a wide range of genres. As mentioned in the introduction, the celebration has become a bustling tradition, bringing in over 15,000 visitors a year. The first goat fest began in 2002 as the town gathered to celebrate the fainting goat for the first time. However, the idea of having a festival to celebrate the goat came quite a bit before that. Documents provided by the Marshall County Historical Society indicate that the idea was first discussed at a 1990s meeting of the city of Lewisburg's community development. Initially, the idea of capitalizing on Marshall's history with the goats was met with skepticism, Marshall, after all, is also quite famous for walking horses, has ties to President James K. Polk, and has ties to three Tennessee governors. Goats, it seemed at the time, were considered to be a bit too embarrassing. However, as the years went on, the idea gained a bit more support. Seven years later, Jamie Ledford, an economic development assistant at City Hall, brought the idea back on the table after meeting with the UT Extension Office. She also organized the first-ever Goats, Music, and More Festival, an event that has solidified its place in Marshall County tradition and history. Despite the cancellation of what would have been the 18th annual Goat Fest in 2020 due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, the festival has come back in full swing since then, a fact that can be confirmed by many attendees and vendors. As the years have gone on, the focus has shifted away from showing goats and other animals to the live music experience and food trucks. In fact, myotonic goats are much rarer to find due to the strain it puts on them for being around so much noise. They are called nervous goats, after all. This leaves us with one last thing to look at on the topic. What does a Marshall County goat farm look like in 2023? Stick around after the sponsor break as we talk with Cornersville resident and owner of SeaQuest Farms, Cindy Carley, about her experiences raising goats and farming goats. Season two of the Book
1: of Marshall is sponsored by the Belfast Store, Funtime Bowl of Lewisburg, Tennessee, Rebecca Mitchell of Russell Realty and Auction, the Collins slash family, Al Smith and Camp 297 Campbell Marshall Rangers. If you would like to support the Book of Marshall this season as well, please email Travis Hillis. We are so grateful for your support. The Marshall County History Club is dedicated to researching our local history, but we also have a goal of connecting with our greater community or catching up with some alumni of MCHS. This month, we spoke with MCH alumni and the current principal of Marshall County High School, Dr. Justin Perry, about his role and his time as a student at MCHS. I'm Riley Rosales, a junior of the Marshall County High School Club, and I'm here with...
3: Justin Perry, principal of MCHS.
1: When did you attend Marshall County High School?
3: I graduated in 2006, so I would have been here due to the math, 2003 through 2006.
2: What is your favorite memory of your time at MCHS as a student?
3: That's hard to pick. Um, I had a great high school experience here and um, I was involved, I was in different clubs. Uh, I was a member of the football team, which was a huge part of my time here we, we had a couple good teams so that was always fun um, but you know uh, this probably sounds like a typical teacher answer but when i look back what i've most fondly uh were of course my friends and just the the great teachers i had um and and several teachers who really you know inspired in me a desire to teach and and, and to work with young people when i got older so uh if i had to pick one thing that's what i would do
2: what led you to pursue education
3: I always loved history um, and government and economics, so that's really what my passion was. Um, I had a great um, AP U.S. history teacher named Coach Schackensuber, uh, who was a legend here for many, many years. Um, and, and so that when I went through that class as a junior, that's when I really, really uh, decided that that's what I wanted to do. Of course, as a football player and someone who's always loved football and all sports, I also knew that I probably wanted to coach as well. Um, So I would say those, you know, those two experiences together is what really led me into wanting to become a teacher and and of course I'm, uh, you know, principal now and uh, didn't have that desire to to begin with, but you know, sometimes you just never know where your career is going to take you.
2: What's it like to come back and to be the principal at MCHS? It's
3: it's been the biggest, you know, professional blessing of my life. Uh, It's an extremely hard job. I I would not... um, you know, lie or, or say otherwise—it's a very, very difficult job. Uh, but you know, I, when I took the, when I was interviewing for the job, and you know, one of the questions that the the, the director asked was, you know, why do you want to be the principal of Marshall County High School? And I, I, you know, said without hesitation because I got a great education here that really set me up for success in college and beyond, and I want to do whatever I can to try to give uh, today's students that same opportunity um and you know it doesn't it doesn't get any cooler in my eyes than getting to do that at your alma mater uh, working alongside teachers that i taught with when i taught here uh, and even a few teachers are still hanging on that were teaching when i was in school here so that's been really really cool thank
1: you so much for
3: joining us happy to do it
1: thank you to dr perry for all his support of the history club and taking the time to interview with us we would also like to thank one last supporter and that's you Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We are so grateful and humbled by your support. If you enjoy what we are doing, please subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. You'll never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Now we go back to our story on the goats of Marshall County.
2: It's clear that goats have earned the attention of countless citizens. In Marshall County, yes, but also throughout the country and beyond. While Texas has the highest concentration of goats of the state's most used for meat production, Tennessee is the leader in fainting goats. And the 1900s helped to spread knowledge of the fainting goats further. Giles County farmers brought goats over to Texas for a farmer that wanted to show the miraculous goats to his neighbors. The fainting goats have gained popularity in Texas after even being presented in the 1926-1927 showing of the zoo at the Texas A&M University. Evidently, fainting goats are beloved across many places. That's why several organizations have formed in order to preserve this breed. This includes the MGR, or Myotonic Goat Registry. This organization strives to maintain the purity of the breed throughout the United States and Canada by recording myotonic goats. Another notable organization includes the International Fainting Goat Association, founded in 1989. This organization intends to promote the fainting goat through sanctioning goat shows and always looking to gain new members. It may come as a surprise that this association was founded in Crawford, Indiana, as opposed to Marshall County. What most may argue to be the fainting goat capital of the world, this just further shows the nationwide recognition and appreciation of the fainting goat. The MCHS History Club reached out to Cindy Carley of Sequest Farms, located in Cornersville, Tennessee, to discuss a more modern approach to goat farming here in Marshall County.
4: Hello, I am Gracie Stevens. I am a senior at Marshall County High School, and we are in the History Club. Today, we are joined by Ms. Cindy Carley of Sequest Farms. We would like to start off by asking you if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your farm.
5: Sure. Hi, everybody, and I'm so glad to be here and be invited to be with you guys. We started out in goats almost 20 years ago. We breed, raise, and milk our Toggenberg and Oberhassli dairy goats. And with their milk, we sell their raw milk under a farm share agreement that we have to do through the Ag Department of the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And with the milk, we also make cheese, soap, lotion, fudge that I take to farmer's markets.
4: Oh, my. Well, we do love cheese around here. <laughs> We also wanted to ask how long have you been a farmer? For about 20 years?
5: Goat farming, yes, but mm-hmm. we started out when I was a child with uh, with our horses. Oh wow! Up in Maine, I was born and raised in Maine, and we started out with our rescue ponies and rescue horses. And then my sister and I got into showing and riding and showing Morgan horses, mm-hmm. and we showed all over New England with them. Wow! And then from there, it was we segged into showing dogs, and it was an easy transition to go from the dogs into goats.
4: My second question it has to be, what got you into showing? And because my mom, she was in, she worked for Tweeba over here, so she is always into horses and all this or she used to be what got you into showing like what was the drive or inspiration for it
5: I don't know that there was some inspiration, but we had these ponies that we started showing at the local mm-hmm. clubs up in Maine, and it just kind of segged and got bigger and bigger as we grew up and got older, wow. and had to go from the ponies to the horses because we outgrew them, of course. That's amazing, <laughs> man. So, what brought you to Marshall County? My husband's two daughters here are here, mm-hmm. in uh, not in Marshall County, but in Tennessee. Mm-hmm it was just time to be closer to them.
4: Oh, that's sweet. Were you aware of the history of the fainting goats when you first decided to go into goat goat
5: farming? No, really I wasn't. Uh, We started out doing just the dairy goats. Mm -hmm. And that's that's still all we are focused on right now is the dairy goats. Mm -hmm. But I know there are three classes of goats. There's the meat goats, the fiber goats, and the dairy goats. And the myotonic goats fall into the meat goat category. Mm -hmm. They put on better muscling for the meat industry. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, goat meat is one of the most underappreciated and used commodities in the United States. Other countries are far more advanced in how they utilize any parts of the goat. Mm -hmm.
4: So how did you decide to go with goats specifically?
5: I think they found us. Mm -hmm. Um, It started out in Florida. We, like I said, my sister and I grew up showing our horses and then our son and I got into showing dogs And I knew that because of my own background growing up in the 4-H program in Maine, I wanted something like that for our son. One year at a Christmas parade in Lady Lake, Florida, a float went by. It was the Paws and Claws 4-H Club. And I hunted down the leader and said, I'd like to have our son be involved in this. And that was the beginning of it. She was the show superintendent for the Lake County Fair for the rabbits, the chickens, and the goats. Mm -hmm. So when she found out that we showed the dogs... She thought that would be a great thing for our son to do. And he aged out 11 years ago, and I can't stop.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. So with the challenges of COVID, and I'm sure we've all felt the effects of it, what are some challenges that you've seen with not only the market, but like has there been um, a depreciation sort of, I don't know the correct word for that, your sales or maybe the (laughs) demand for uh, goats and cheeses and everything that you sell.
5: Well, to be honest with you, to help the the farming industry, the farmers markets were able to keep going through some of it, especially the ones that I was able to join up with in Nashville. Mm-hmm. They made it so that people could pre-order the products and do touch-free or contact-free, mm-hmm. as you call it, transactions. They paid via credit card or PayPal or mm-hmm. Venmo or whatever doing, and they just had to do a drive-by and get their products. Wow. So that worked out really well. When the goat festival shut down for a couple of years, that was hard because that's a big income source for mm-hmm. us. But the weekly markets were able to keep going in a smaller way, but they still worked.
4: Is there anything you like to say in regards to the um, goats specifically? Like, um, I know you talked about the underappreciated value of goats. Is there anything else you'd like to say on that?
5: Well, I think um, one of the things that I was asked about was the good and the bad of it and and I'll be honest with you in 2023 with gas prices and labor prices as as hard as they've been it's it's been cost more to maintain our our herd so that that's been a challenge and also finding laborers people that are willing to come up to the farm my husband and I are getting older and it's hard harder for us throwing hay bales and cleaning pens and mm-hmm. it's something that has to be done and it's it's tough <laughs>
4: Oh, yeah. My grandfather, he's actually a farmer, and we always used to go out there and chop wood and cut hay with him and bale hay, and whew, that is not an easy job, I will say. <laughs> uh, finally, is there anything coming up for Sequest Farms that you'd like to share with us and our community that we've created?
5: Well, um, in March, we start our kiddings again for 2024, so we'll have I have goats that I'm milking through the winter. And when they're getting ready to have their babies, we have to dry them off, which means we stop milking them a couple of months before they start having before their due dates come. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've got some that are milking through the winter to keep us in products for the winter markets that happen up in at Richland Park in Nashville. Every Saturday morning, we'll be kidding again in March. And I'll be honest with you, I welcome folks that are interested in being a part of that. If you want to be a part of a kidding, it's hard to catch them because when they decide to go into labor and have their babies it's time oh yeah <laughs> but uh yeah keeping going with our markets so that i can continue to support the herd the way that they need to be supported because they work hard for us those dairy girls work hard for us and to buy the quality product that we do to keep them in good condition this is what keeps us rolling that
4: is amazing uh, we wanted to thank you for being with us today miss sydney Is
5: there anything else we'd like to add? Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here with you guys. Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoy the cheese and the fudge. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Since arriving in Tennessee in the 1880s by John Tinsley, fanning goats have immensely grown in popularity and earned themselves a reputation as an icon in Marshall County. Through the Goats Music and More Festival, organizations such as the International Fanning Goat Association and even businesses such as SeaQuest Farm. Fainting goats are honored every day and have created a mysterious, hilarious, but most importantly, incredible legacy for themselves that will always be remembered in the history of Marshall County. GOAT, of course, is also an acronym for the phrase greatest of all time. But in our case today, it seems Marshall County is quite literally goaded. This was their story.
6: The Book of Marshall, Chapter 6, Hashtag Goaded. This episode of The Book of Marshall was researched, written, and hosted by John Tavia Cross, Caroline McNutt, Catherine Burham, and Gracie Stevens. Dr. Perry interviewed by Yareli Rosales. Cindy Carly interviewed by Gracie Stevens. This podcast was executive produced by Travis Hillis, Laurie Crowell, and Tennille Alexander. Theme song for the Book of Marshall, Clouds by Jay Hill. His music is available on all streaming platforms. Additional music used royalty free can be found in the show notes with links. Any errors made in the research of this episode are purely made in good faith and in no way done with intent. Sources are provided in the episode script. We would like to thank Linda Potts and the Marshall County Historical Society for their support and resources. Finally, we would like to thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. We hope to see you next time on Season 2 of The Book of Marshall.